It's time to start the podcast. Welcome to Infinite Pulp. My name is Aaron. I'm Max. We are coming to you from the underground society of people who podcast about nothing. Um, founding members right here. There's a haven't lot of taken, us down here, people. Feel free to join. Haven't taken a day off since we started this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a grind. Um, for I'm exhausted. Sure. Yeah. I'm very excited about today. Today we're doing things a little bit different than we usually do. Um, We usually just kind of turn on the microphones and talk and go. And today we are going to be more intentional about our topic. And because it's the end of a decade. So we want to take some time to look back on the decade. The 2010s, I believe, is what decade we're in. Um, And (laughs) You're not sure? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, there's... It was a blur. The week I have had... I'm, I'm not clearly thinking a lot of things, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, so I want to do things a little bit different. Um, a lot of decade stuff uh, has you just pick out your favorite, which maybe that's what you do, you know. But the way I looked at it is I tried to pick out my most influential or like things that impacted me the most. Mm-hmm. And my so the way I built my list is, is I am doing it for more of a personal reason. So for me, it is something that I did within the decade. It doesn't necessarily mean the content came from the decade. Yeah. And I think that's a, an important distinguish yes. to make is, so this is not just a favorite item. This is not the best item. This is impactful, right? This right. is what and resonated with you. Yeah. During the decade. So there's a book that I read that we're going to get to that was written in the eighties that, was by far the most influential thing that I read this decade, but it didn't come out this decade. So that's how I'm doing it. And uh, you can do it however you want to. Okay. It doesn't really matter. But we have a few categories we're going to get through. Um, one of mine is blank, so I'm going to try to think of it before we get to it. <laughs> um, but I did um, my favorite or most influential day, week, month, game, book, decision that I made piece of advice movie tv show and um i didn't give you this one because we'll just do it off the cuff but i think we could do album as well i totally forgot about that interesting one. yeah but i think I it's like also that. important totally um, down. and i have an answer for that one too so where do you want to start course. which one do you want to start, start with the top and just go down the list i think because i think it'll be really fun to juxtapose most influential day most influential week and month i think that's yeah. like those are those are very similar um yes topics and, but i think they're going to be different enough that it'll be fun to compare I do too, and my month is the one that I have blank right now, so I'm trying to think about that. So okay. when we get to it, I will make something up, and uh, the points don't matter, so hopefully it'll be right. <laughs> um, day. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? <clears throat> go for it. Okay, sweet. My favorite day was, um, or not even favorite, it's definitely the most influential day. I was sitting in college. It was the year 2010. I believe. Yeah, that's when it would have had to have been. I was sitting in my class and um, some people were talking about what they did um, last semester or over break. And we had somebody come up on stage and he talked about what he did the last semester. And he 
went to Florida on the Disney College program. And that was the first I ever heard about that. I didn't know that thing existed until then. And so I promptly looked it up. And he also happened to be in my intramural basketball team. So mm-hmm. it was great that I could ask him all these questions. <laughs> and uh, like, I'm like, hey, how do you get into this? I want to do. And um, I did. It took me a year. I actually applied for the Disney College program in 2010 and got rejected, which is very hard to do, by the way. Um, we can talk about that later. You have to work pretty hard at it, yeah. Yeah. There's a section on the entrance exam um, or application that you have to – it's one of those uh, behavioral questions um, – Tests, I guess. I mean, it just, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, they take you through, do you smile every single day? Yes. Yeah. No. Do you always smile all the time? Yes. No. Maybe. Like, yeah. there's like all these different things. I answered that thing as truthfully as possible. Mm-hmm. And I got rejected. <laughs> and so I told them the next time I applied <clears throat> what they wanted to hear. And that's when I got in. Yeah. And I figured out that they are just looking for these answers. And more likely, they're looking for consistency with answers, and they mm-hmm. want you to pick extremes. And so that's typically how those tests work. Um, so that's what I did. Interesting. And I got in, which um, led me to meeting you and meeting Rob and working at Disney for a year and then coming back home and then working at Disney for five years after that. Mm-hmm. And then move like it completely like that decision and day altered my entire like my whole decade is because of that one day because i don't know if i ever would have found out about it if i didn't know mm-hmm. and he didn't tell me about it so that is by far the most impactful thing that's ever happened um in the last decade to me for the days and uh yeah i don't have a lot to say after that you should go next all right my most impactful day was the day I think that I realized that my relationship with my current fiance was as serious as it was. I was planning to go to Florida as well to do the Disney college program after I graduated. And she and I started dating my spring semester of my victory lap year, my senior year, second senior year. Um, So I wound up, hanging out with her a lot and she knew I was leaving and like we were still hanging out and having fun. And there was this day where her friend was in from out of town and we hung out with them. And it was one of those lazy days where you like you sleep until 11 and then you loaf around the house for like four hours and we made biscuits and like omelets and like sat around and did breakfast together and just laughed and talked. And then it like, Three, they wanted to go ride. And so me and her friend's boyfriend at the time followed them out and we sat by the ring while they rode and we drank beer and we chatted and it was just a gorgeous spring day in Kentucky. It was like, you know, mid to upper 70s, just gorgeous, beautiful sunset. And so when they get done riding, we are packing it in. We say goodbye to them because they're going out a different way than, than we are. Um, so we are walking back to put up her horse and we're walking down this hill towards the barn. There's this big Oak on one side of the path, uh, horse fences, horses behind the fences, rolling bluegrass, Kentucky Hills sunset. I've got, 
an, uh, the remnants of the six pack in my left hand, including my beer, which is, you know, open sitting inside of it. I've got her hand in mine and on the other side of her, she's leading her horse. And it was just this profound moment of, I could do this. Mm-hmm. I could get on board with this. Yeah. This, this is, this is a moment that like, I remember thinking it as I was walking down that hill, like watching that sunset, like this is a perfect moment. This is a perfect moment for a perfect day. And that day was the most influential of the decade because that was the day I decided for myself that this was the relationship I wanted. Excellent. That's wonderful. I never heard that story before. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. See that people, you can learn things about folks 10 years after a relationship starts. Sharing is important. It is. You, we've been friends for eight years. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It's, 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 it is, it's, it's a long time. That's a really good day. I'm, I'm very happy for you, dude. I love those days. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you realize the person that you're currently standing next to is just somebody you want to stand next to for a very long time. I don't know if there's much better feeling yeah. in the world. Um, maybe even in the solar system. <laughs> Who knows? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You well, know. yeah, you don't know how the bacteria feel on Mars. That's right. And um, they could have good moments, too. I'm sure they yeah. have feelings. Those Pluto parties are not anything to laugh at either. No, absolutely not. We don't really necessarily count them, though, anymore, apparently. And so, oh, yeah, I know that whole planet debacle. I feel bad about that. <sighs> yeah. What was your Why favorite it matter? week? It doesn't matter. There's no importance of that. Um, my favorite week also has to do with Disney. Well, not necessarily my favorite week, um, the the most influential week, because it inside of the Disney, it it projected my next several years and altered how I was in Florida the next the next five years. So mm-hmm. when I decided to quit my job as a financial advisor and go work for Disney, um, I just went up, left, quit and was like, all right. I'm going to work for Disney. They don't know I'm going to work for Disney yet, but but I do. Yeah. And so I did. And I had got an interview as a lifeguard, which I had never done before. Um, I was just applying. You can So a little background on Disney applications. They have hourly part-time, hourly regular roles. And the way it works is you can only apply to one of them in a six-month period. Um, otherwise, you'd apply to every single job. Yeah. And so you just pick one and go, but the whole way the interviews work, it's really cool because even if you applied for a lifeguard, they'll say, you know what, based on your experience, I think you'd be better suited for guest relations at Mm -hmm. a resort. So I was going to be placed in guest relations at a resort part-time and it was going to be the boardwalk. And that's, I bought my tickets to fly to Disney and have this interview. I was living in Oregon at the time and I found out about the interview like a week in advance. I'm like, you know what? I got to buy a plane ticket and just go. This is what I got to do. And so as I already purchased the plane tickets, I got an email from a different job at Disney that I applied for that was the call center job that I ended up taking Mm -hmm. and paid better. It was full time. The interview they wanted to give me was the same week as the interview I had already scheduled at Disney. So I flew down there. I did both interviews. The 
night of I only flew down there for about a day and a half. The night that I spent, though, I went out to, to World of Beer. Um, we went out drinking with my friend at the time. And we uh, ended up dating for three and a half years after that. And the reason I think this is the most influential week is because if we didn't go out there, um, if I didn't talk to Megan that week, I think I think we would have en- we would have ended up dating eventually. Um, for sure. But I don't think it would have happened the same way because we kissed that night. And that kind of just started everything. And the reason it was really impactful is because when I first got to Florida the second time, her and I kind of hung out for like a month and then started dating again. Mm-hmm. Not again, but for the first time. And I should have waited. And I don't know if it would have happened the same way if I didn't kiss her that night. She kissed mm-hmm. me, actually. But um, that's not true. It was kind of a mutual thing. Absolutely. Um, for sure. And um, But it just kind of sent me... I mean, it, 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 in a time in my life where I should have waited to, to be with somebody and got my feet set and like singled life a little while, kind of what I'm doing now, um, it, uh, it didn't happen that way. And it kind of... And I think it definitely changed going forward. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had the, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was an awesome week too, man. I just found out I got a job at Disney. Like I was moving down there. I bought a ticket and flew to Disney, like a couple weeks later and moved. Oh, I didn't fly. I drove, but like I moved this, like, I like called my best friend up after I came back from my interview and they accepted. I was just like, so I know you're in school right now and I don't think you have anything going on because your semester hasn't started yet and you're not working. What would you think about driving to me, driving across the country with me? And he's like, yeah, sure. When I was like, we got to leave Tuesday. And it was like Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just like, Oh, and I was just like, yeah, dude, um, I will buy your plane ticket um, on the way back. So don't, and I'll pay for all the gas and all of the hotel rooms. So you just come with me. And, it's a good uh, deal. It is a good deal. Yeah, you should know. Um, so, yeah that that one week span just com- like it, 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 I was always going to go back to Disney. It's just like that week changed the way it happens, mm-hmm. or determined the way it happened. Doesn't necessarily change it, you know, but it definitely determined what was going on. Um, what uh, what was yours? Mine is influential in an negative not negative way um so my most impactful week of the decade was the week i was on the college program with you we were roommates and i came down with pharyngitis oh so pharyngitis is a throat infection i thought i had strep i didn't i went to a doc in the box i got tested he said it's not strep and i said cool well i can't speak um, and my job requires, I was, I was guest relations at a resort at Disney. And so I was like, and we were leading into our busiest week of the year with Easter oh, and yeah. yeah. And so I had, and oh, I had yeah. pharyngitis and I said, I can't speak. My job is to stand in one place and check people in and answer questions all week. And I can't, I can't talk. I need you to write me a note saying I can't talk. And he said, I can't, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you should be able to talk. I looked at him. I was like, what? Yeah. I like, I croaked at him. I was like, what do you want me to do? Like, what is this? And he was like, you'll be fine. 
and I was not, and <laughs> I took like a week to get better. Um, so I, I called in one day thinking that I would, you know, rest up, feel better and then go back in the next day. And it just didn't go away for yeah. like a week. Um, and so when I came back, I, everyone, my bosses were all like, we're so disappointed. Like we really needed you. And I was like, I was sick. What do you want yeah. from me? I couldn't do my yeah. job like that. There's nothing I could have done. And because of that, when I went back to Disney later to apply to work there, they said that I was perceived as an unreliable employee. Uh, and, and so I wasn't able to get a job with them right away. Which meant that I was then able to decide to move across the country to be with my now fiance Elizabeth, yeah. and the rest is history. So that that is probably my most influential week because ever you know since I it was simultaneously the decision the week that led me to down the path towards Elizabeth, but it was also the decision that led me away from Disney. And for people who know me, that's huge because I had spent like most of my life convinced I was going to build my entire career at Disney. And, mm -hmm. um, I have since learned that I am just not a corporate person at all. <laughs> I've tried working for other corporations and it never, uh, works very well. Yeah. yeah. It's good just not a good fit, but that was an important week for me because it, it, it shaped my life for the better. I mean, it was brutal at the time and like it, it was definitely a source of depression for a long time because I felt like I was a failure because yeah. I had gotten sick, which is its whole own, you know, psychological trauma. If you're being guilted because your body gets ill, like who does that? So, um, I'm grateful for it, but it took me a while to get there. It took me, I'd say, I'd say a good six months to really settle into that as being a welcome thing. Ah, yeah, that's often the case, you know, with um, painful experiences. Mm -hmm. it takes you a while to kind of figure it out and get there beyond mm -hmm. the pale. Um, yeah, man, that's uh, that's. I don't. I honestly don't remember you getting sick, but I'm. I'm. Sh I, I'm sure. I. I kind of do now that you mention it. But um, mm. showed you how much I pension, pay attention to you during uh, our, our time living together, <laughs> like same room. It's not like we were just kind of roommates. We lived in we the were same literally room. roommates. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It was like a college dorm room. It was uh, maybe twelve feet square. Yeah. It was it, tiny. It's probably almost. It's probably about the same size as my room. Maybe a little bigger than I'm in right yeah. now. Uh. A small, quick sidebar with that. My favorite thing about living with you was when we were, you were playing Skyrim and I was like either reading a comic book or doing something else on my phone and just, or just watching. And we just got to like have some time together and just like talk about Skyrim and watch and play. And I love watching my friends play video games and just chatting with them. <laughs> yeah. It makes me so happy. Yeah. Shooting the breeze. I love that too. Yeah. Let's play soon, by the way, folks. Because um, we're, we're getting the capture card in incoming. You'll see. Um, so now we're at month and I still don't have a good month. But what I will say is that um, I'm going to pick probably the most recent one. That's, mm -hmm. that's the most influential. Um, and it, it did happen when I was in Florida. It was when my 
partner in the, at the time and I separated um, to the Blink-182 concert. It was kind of a one-to-one. Blink-182 was May 4th. I believe we separated on April 4th um, or close to that date. Mm-hmm. So that period of time in my life was just really tumultuous and there was a lot of things that kind of went down that I never would have expected to go down the way they did. Um, Just the events after um, my partner and I separated was just wild to me. I had never really experienced anything like it. Um, And it was, it was, it was great. It was magical. Like, and also awful all at the same time. Like it was just in that weird, weird state and it all accumulated with, um, a concert I went to at blink 182. They're my favorite band and they're playing in Orlando. And I went with, um, another, another woman at the time and two of my really good friends. And it's my favorite concert I've ever been to. It was so much fun. I love it. You know, we talked about Caravan Palace, best concert. Blink What Did You Two is my that was my favorite concert. I had such a good time until I sat in my car and went to drive home, and I had been drinking um, too much. So I had my partner, or at the time, I had her uh, drive home. Well, she wasn't my partner, but I had my date drive home essentially um, because she was ready for it and wasn't drinking nearly as much as I was, and. All of the emotions of losing my best friend and partner and the person I spent the last three and a half years left with just flooded into my soul and my body all at once. And I'm sitting in my car like next to this person who I was on a date with, essentially. We didn't really call it a date, but I mean, it's kind of what it was. And I just couldn't process anything at that point. I was just like so just out of it. And that was the first time um, we went out to tacos after that. And I just ended up like just leaving. I was like, I just I need to leave. Like I have to I have to be out of here. And that was the very first time, though, I allowed myself to feel the emotions after I, my ex and I separated. And it just hit me so hard. And it was the first time in, in a long time I had like a really, really good cry. I called my little brother because um, he was the it was like one o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, there's nobody in Florida that's awake right now who's going to be willing to talk to me. And mm. there are tons of people on the West Coast that I have access to <laughs> cross country so friendship. Hype. I caught like four people before I got to Austin. And I was just like, oh, dude, can you talk? And he's like, yeah, I got you. So we like chatted for like two hours. And that really like projected him and his and I relationships forward as well. Like him and I like, so I, I was able to process emotions and I now have a closer relationship with my brother because of that. And I think that, I mean, that month absolutely altered the next year of my life and all of the anxious and insecurities that I had about that person I went on a date with just like never ended at Mm -hmm. all. And, um, that's a whole nother story, but, uh, I think that's kind of, that was kind of the month I was thinking, but I didn't want to do some recency bias because it happened about a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, year and a half, year and a half ago. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was both a very fun and awful time. It was probably the most mixed emotion month I've ever had. 
just yeah. like super high highs and just super low lows. I was listening to Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band <laughs> at the time. <laughs> First time I listened through that album. I want you guys to know that album would be my choice for most influential album, but I can't listen to it anymore. Oh, um, no. Because every time I listen to it, my emotions revert back to the weird that space place, that I yeah. was in. Yeah. And um, it's really sad because I think that is my my favorite album I've ever listened to. Yeah, that's really and unfortunate, so like, man. Not I'm being sorry. Able to go back and like, yeah, it's just it, that album is the reason I love the Beatles so much. So. I guess I'll have to listen to like magical mystery tour. It's not as good, but <laughs> we get the walrus, so I'm still happy with that. I can't right. make any Beatles jokes here because I don't like the Beatles. So, yeah. well, that wasn't for you. So, yeah. um, I, I know. <laughs> just I just don't want people to feel like I'm missing out on all these opportunities to weigh you, in on the albums. We're um, gonna talk about this later. We will. Um, we'll. But yeah, because I'd like to address just, it. I'd like to figure out why you don't like them and just, you know, go down that path. I don't care that you don't like them. I just want to know why. No, that's um, important. What's your, um, what's your favorite month, man? Or your most influential favorite? doesn't really matter. You all know what I mean. This probably does have recency bias, um, but it's another major shift in my understanding of myself and my priorities. So I'm going to go with it. It was the last month that I worked at my job at the Inn on Biltmore Estate. Mm-hmm. So that was my last corporate job. Um, and I learned like I was being worked overworked. I was working like 50, 60 hour weeks through like the holidays, which is like our busiest time of the year, most stressful. Um, I had just done a project for the department on top of being one of two supervisors because our boss quit going into that season. So it was just me and my supervisor. Our manager wasn't there and his manager was doing other stuff. So it was a mess. It was just exhausting. It was just the two of us trying to run the ship. Um, I, I had to learn how to do a lot of stuff on my own, figure a lot of stuff out on my own. And, um, and then that project that was, that was assigned to me on top of everything else just kind of like wore me down. So after, after that month I was done and I was like, I don't need this. (laughs) I don't, I don't need to feel exhausted all the time and feel like I can't show up for my relationship all the time to make money. Like mm-hmm. there are other ways to make money where I can also show up for the important things in my life that matter. Yeah. Um, and this was over two years ago now. Um, no, it's right now, two years ago. So cool. just under two years. Yeah. It was, yeah. I remember. Was, uh, I do remember that. We it was heavy. There was a it lot. Was. It was a yeah. lot, a lot. And I, I'm glad that you got there though. I think that was mm-hmm. one of my favorite times for you. Yeah, it was it was a really exciting period of transformation for me where mm-hmm. I realized it I didn't was. have to do this to myself to feel accomplished that I was yeah, that I could go do what I wanted to do. I could go do the things that mattered to me and go be the person I wanted to be. And yep. that was really liberating and also terrifying. Oh um, yeah, which was a big part of how I knew it was the right thing to do. Mhm. Yeah, that's the way I left Florida. Yeah. Got to get terrified every once in a while to figure things out. Exactly. Um, and selfishly, it allowed me to visit you pretty much whenever I wanted because you had (laughs) lots of time. You could like schedule yourself when you needed to schedule yourself. Yeah. And it was wonderful. I was like, Oh, I can come up in January. We can just play Bloodborne the whole time I'm there. Like, heck yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For Um, those of you not listening, I'm a ride chair driver now. So like, 
for those of you who aren't up to speed, not not listening. Everybody's listening. Come on. Yeah. For all those people out there that didn't download this podcast. Correct. I'd like to give you some information. Yeah. Well, they need to know, too. The whole they world do. needs to That's know. That's true. It is. Yeah. I drive for Uber and Lyft, and I make my own schedule, and it's magical. Yep. And I work 40 hours a week and no more, and I love it. <laughs> it's also magical. <laughs> In a much different way. Hashtag healthy boundaries. Absolutely. My work has been so great to me this week. Um, I didn't really share anything that was going on, but like I just texted my director or just emailed him. I was like, Hey, I put in a PTO request for tomorrow. I just need to take care of something. Can I just, can I just have this day? And she's like, yeah, that should be fine. Just let me know if there's anything we're expecting. Like mm-hmm. there it's just, so I lost the list a little bit. Mine got all mangled and jumbled, you know? And you so I don't up? know what is next game. It's game. game. I have my list. I am so, so ready. Cool. My game is um, Dark Souls. Ah! Mine too. Yep. Are I you kidding of, me? I kind of hoped it would, get, it uh, would be. Oh, yeah. Great. Let's nerd yeah. out about Dark Souls for a minute. Oh, gosh. We're going to. I've beaten Dark Souls, I think, more. Well, okay. I've only beaten one game more than I've beaten Dark Souls, and that's Mass Effect. And if we had done <laughs> a podcast 10 years ago, I would have said Mass Effect. Mass Effect's my favorite game of all time. Um, it changed my uh com- like what i like i am mm-hmm. i love video games because of mass effect heck yeah and um it, i have a great story and how like i happened upon video games in my life not really i mean i played games my whole life but my, i have a good mass effect story we'll talk about that when we don't talk about dark souls because dark souls is one of the best games and also happens to be in this decade mm-hmm. um as most people, and you can chime in now that we know that we both have the same game. Let's just talk about it. Okay. Um, and we won't monologue. And so most folks that I know um, who feel strongly about Dark Souls, there are a few folks out there who this didn't happen to. A lot of people, though, played Dark Souls for about an hour and stopped. Never played it again. And then picked <laughs> it up a couple years later and played it again and decided to push through. And it's just like one of their favorite games of all time. Yeah. That's ha- that's me. I picked up Dark Souls twice and was like, this is really cool, but I'm not really feeling it yet. And then I just pushed through and I'm like, this is this is amazing. It happened when I was on the college program. I was watching my roommate play Dark Souls and I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. Like, you mean you get to, oh, 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 there's a trap mm-hmm. there. Oh, that shouldn't be, you know, like all these things that are like you're not used to in games at yeah. least for I wasn't and and just the perfect style of combat that I like mm-hmm. and you know challenging but surmountable bosses it has my most frustrating and favorite um it has my favorite boss fights and my most like frustrating like I spent 5 hours it's the boss I have spent the most time in my entire life fighting and there's two of them and I hate them. You really you going to um, tell us you're just going to tease us with it. Come on. I'm going to tease it and then I'm I was I was figuring on knowing you well enough to chime in and say he's talking about Ornstein and Smile. Um, but you actually went through that you you burned through them real quick. You got through oh, them the in like time. 5 hours in like 5 ties, right? Uh the second time. Okay. The first okay. time I played them, I spent three hours struggling. That, and the, yeah, and that's what happened. That's what happens when you're friends for so long is the stories start to blur. So I oh, thought yeah. I thought you would burn through them that quickly the first time. Okay. No, no, I spent about three hours trying to fight them, and then realized 
I don't have the patience and or skill to do this. <laughs> and I walked around on Orlando for about three hours of gameplay and just circled my way around the castle, castle mm-hmm. and fought every single black knight or silver knight. Just power level. And just grinded yep. and grinded and gained like eight levels. And then mm-hmm. I went back and I beat them like in like a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second time I beat them, I was streaming the game because I wanted, I was like, oh, this is going to take me a long time. Let me stream it. So I streamed the fight and it, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to take a drink every single time I die to these people. Oh, what a bad idea. And I beat them like four tries. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to keep playing and we'll just drink every time I die because this stream is not fun, as fun as I thought it was going to, <laughs> to be. And I was like, wow. But at that point, like I had already played through Dark Souls twice. I had um, developed my style of, of combat because I had also beaten Dark Souls 2 and 3 and Bloodborne. And, you know, and so it's all those like, oh, I am a dex character with no shield and a sword that I can use two handed. Yeah, that's definitely the way to play Dark Souls. Yeah, it is. I was playing as um, with the Zweehander and uh, a great shield. My first playthrough, and it was just like stumbling and munching on everybody. It was mm-hmm. great, but I had way more fun as a Dex character. Why? Why is it on your list though? Because I, I just think it changed the like it. It's my favorite genre now, and they're starting to copy it well. My new, like, and the game I'm playing right now is just a Dark Souls Star Wars game. So I just, yeah, I love it so much. I, so I think Dark Souls is important. I think because it reminded gamers that they don't need waypoints. Yeah. And I think that's something that, that's a rabbit hole we were going down um, there near the end of the aughts is Skyrim really introduced. Like it, 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 and I'm not knocking Skyrim. Skyrim is incredible, and we'll talk about that at some point too. That was almost like my game of the decade, just because I spent so much time during yep. the tens playing it. I thought about that too. Um, but like the the arrow that just like points you where you need to go, and you just like you don't actually look around at what's happening in the world. You just point your character at an arrow and run until you get there. Like that's that was problematic for yep. a lot of reasons, and. Dark Souls reminded gamers that they could struggle and that that was fun. And that the, the, the sense of accomplishment, the sense of reward that comes yeah. from overcoming a challenge is often more rewarding than just being handed a trophy, right? So the, the game was, I think, the, and that's part of why I love it so much was because it reminded me how challenging games could be and how fun it was to be challenged and to be out mm-hmm. there. And it like it captured this sense that I think really was present in a lot of older RPGs that I think kind of got lost as RPGs tried to be fancier was just this notion of like getting a neat, small upgrade to a piece of gear. I mean, like being able to like kill an enemy and pick up a weapon. It's like, oh, that piece of sword does 10 damage with every swing instead of eight. I'm so excited. Like that that dopamine drip was really profound in that game and it was subtle because it, it it's lore wasn't just like projected it wasn't like here's the story of all this amazing stuff it was it followed the sort of um 
Oh my gosh, what are they called? Ico and uh, what, oh. was, what was the sequel? Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus. It, it followed that sort of storytelling yeah, style where, where there's a world and there is a story and you have to kind of get to it. Yep. And that that yeah. was really fun too because you really it really did feel like this post-apocalyptic fantasy world where everything was just burned out and you were like digging through the ashes trying to find some semblance of meaning among all of it. And that was fun because that journey as the character paralleled your journey as a player trying to get back into this feeling of like overcoming these incredibly difficult enemies and bosses like not even not even the bosses the enemies themselves like if you weren't careful you'd just die and the game you couldn't just quick load back to like where you had just been you had to like respawn at a different place and work your way back and it was and get punishing but in a rewarding way it was like valuably punishing i think um i i i it absolutely i agree with everything you just said and i i want to add a few more before we move on to our next category if that's okay no you may not okay um so our next category is dark souls (laughs) and we're gonna talk about that the rest of the podcast so i think a few other things it did it created the um looping map Mm -hmm. where when you finish, I mean, Skyrim did this too, but I think the way that Dark Souls did it, because you could miss things, but it, it didn't, like, Skyrim would put you out at the end of the cave and just throw, throw a door and then make you like, oh, you now you're at the beginning of the cave, just exit. And what mm-hmm. Dark Souls did is, is it puts you in a place that made sense in how the architecture worked, but you're still far away from what you actually have to get to sometimes. But the shortcut is still better. And the reason the shortcut's more fun is because now I don't have to fight 30 guys between my goal. I have to fight four and I have a lesser chance of dying. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it just made it's that sense of reward and discovery. When you finished a dungeon in Skyrim, you're like, all right, I'm just at the end. When you discover a secret, you're like, oh, my gosh, I, you mean I don't have to fight those draw like those guys for the next mm-hmm. I don't ever have to fight them again unless I want to like and just it's so satisfying and I also then you're starting to see that in a lot of games especially a lot of action RPG games like uh, the Fallen Order is doing that right now um, their 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 exploration is very similar to Dark Souls it's awesome yeah I think it also put um, there is an incredible amount of lore and story in Dark Souls. I want to mm-hmm. preface what I'm saying by that first. Open-ended I, lore, too. Yes. And Max and I have – we could do a whole series on the Dark Souls lore, and that would be super mm-hmm. fun. Um, and how it connects with Bloodborne and the other two games. <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to get Max too excited. We won't get off that topic if we, if we, if we go down that path. All right. Um, gameplay is whether – if the story you have to find, you don't have to find gameplay. And I think what it did a lot, too, is it brought gameplay to the forefront and it made it okay to, like, put the story a little bit back. And then Mm -hmm. if you want to dive deep, you can. But the game is gameplay fun by itself, Um, which is very similar to a lot of those old games. Like, those old platform side-scrollers, like Mario, there is no story. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But the gameplay is so much fun, you know? Um and I think you're seeing that too. And you're, you know, you're seeing that with less. I think there's people are transitioning from long cutscenes to. You know, I think I don't know. I think I think does definitely has. I mean, Dark Souls in the last ten years, I think, has been the one game that has most influenced the. Uh, the industry the video game. The industry, yeah. yeah. So it's not just like us. You know, I think this is the only thing on our category where I can be like, "Yep, 
that that's that's it. Yeah, that, I agree with everything I just said, and because um, it's the best. Yeah, I love Dark Souls <laughs> so much. I, I want to play it now. I, and it's just it's comfort. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like it's a comforting challenge. You're like, oh, I know this. Okay. Yeah, the replayability and is really high too, which is, is rare for a game like that. So high. Um, the only time that you don't want to play it is when you have to go to that stupid hellish world. Um, oh, you mean Blight Town? No, Blight Town is actually not bad. Blight Town is horrible, and you are wrong. Um, Blight Town is bad because it chugs. Oh, real bad. oh, you're talking about the ruins of Isolith? Yes. Yeah. The unfinished zone in the game unfinished and not and there's one zone and one of the one like few zones that miyazaki didn't get to have a super heavy hand in yeah um the story i've heard is that they were like pretty much people were and teams were given zones mm-hmm. um and miyazaki kind of let them do what they wanted with it but he would like weave everything together and that zone didn't get as much care and attention mm-hmm. so that's where you have chicken dinosaurs um that you yeah. can't go fight that are just standing in the middle of things you're like well i can't yeah, they ran out of time. The production schedule, the production yeah, schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Was We're not blaming that. Like, that happens with every game. You, you yeah. know, there's never, there's not a perfect game out there. Um, it's so. Um, yeah, that, I'm so glad we got that that same one. Uh, <laughs> we should be friends. No, just just co-hosts. Okay. I, I want to keep this professional. All right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm always pushing boundaries. My favorite um, book that I read over the last ten years was "Hear the Winds Sing." And it was written by a man named Murakami. At mm-hmm. least that's his last name. Um, I didn't. I, I'm before I read this book. I was a strict, pretty much only read fantasy or some sort of like that ilk, sci-fi, fantasy. You know, what you would want to quote in geek, geek, geek books, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I dabbled in the, the Goldfinch. I dabbled in some other ones that um, my partner and I, she really wanted to read them. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll read some of these with you. Um, and I never really caught me. So I, I never really felt the need to read just, just literature, I guess, mm-hmm. outside of fantasy. Um, I read some older books, you know, Three Musketeers is one of my favorite books of all time. I, that kind of stuff. But Hear the Wind Sing just chain like he is my favorite author now like I, I am progressing my way through all of his books he's the one person that i would point to and i would say that author the way he writes is very similar to the way i think and so everything just makes sense to me when reading his stuff mm-hmm. and it, it is i just love his like just style and i really love his fantastical portions of it in the, the the follow-up book the the here the wind sing is the very first book of a three-part series and it's essentially f- following around this person who you don't know the name of um it's just the man essentially mm-hmm. and it follows his like exploits he's living with these two people and he's just hanging out with this guy at a bar and talking and then they still they go play pinball together and then one of the next like it's a like they start a marketing group like it's very like weird like it's just life um it's awesome and i'm sure i'm messing up some of the story but the next book after that the guy just goes and finds the pinball machine from the first book that he wants to go play again because he loves pinball so much and it it starts talking to him and it's just like yeah you, you don't need to play anymore i think this part of your life is over you're fine you don't have to play me 
Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. It's just like all the elements are so good. And I read a few of his books after that. And um, yeah, it, it's it's that I never had an author. If anybody asked me what I suggest them to read where I'm like, you should you should check this out. He's the one person that I, I like to gift the book to. And because and it just I sunk so much time into that. Yeah, that's an excellent choice. I have not read a lot of his stuff. Um, but I had to read some of it back in college and it it's, he, he's a phenomenal writer. His voice, oh, his voice is just so strong. And so it's yeah, so liberated. Like it, it's a delight to read. It's a pleasure to read his writing. It, yeah, absolutely. Cause it, it's, he writes the way you, you process. Mm-hmm information which is just incredible and he in the coolest i mean he's a japanese writer and he writes really interestingly um he writes a lot of books from my understanding i could be wrong so fact check me on this if you want but he writes in english and then transitions it back to Japan, uh, japanese oh i did not know that i haven't i haven't looked into it um, um and i don't for- i don't want to i don't want to Spend time no, going quiet. We don't need to spend time doing that. Googling and I that. think that that's the case. You guys can all check it if yeah, you want citation to. Citation needed. We'll just put a little asterisk after that factoid. Yeah. Um, but there's scenes in his books where there's somebody sitting down at the bar and he's just talking with his friend. And the next line is a separate paragraph. And it looks over and it's just like all the line says is just like, oh, yeah, she looks pretty cute over there. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. Like you're just like, though, I, that's exactly what it is like. You know, mm-hmm. you just your mind's going, you're talking, you're listening. You just like have this one off thought. And he does such a great job of of capturing that. Yep. What is yours? I'm going to cheat. My most influential book of this decade is mine. Yes. I love that answer. I have a pet project. Um, I'm an aspiring creative writer. I have my first novel that I ever completed is currently on a back burner, taking some time because it's it's that novel that every writer tells you you need to let go of because you're so invested in it over so much time that you just like made a lot of mistakes and you can't let go that you yeah. put that time and energy into a failed project. Um, and I refuse to let it go. So it's on the back burner right now. But I wrote a book. And it's a fantasy novel designed for middle graders. Um, And the first edition I created was finished in 2015. And then a second revised edition was 2017. And now this is like edition 50. (laughs) There have been a lot since then. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's something that I'm committed to getting published eventually. And I... It has been a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of growth, both as a creator and as an appreciator of genre fiction. So that's my most influential book. Nice. Yeah. Do I get to read? Do I get to read the new edition? No. Okay. (laughs) Of course you do. Uh, When I have something worth reading, I'm going to make one more pass at it, and then it goes back out to people. And I liked it, so. It gets, it gets way better when you don't have to slug through it. For those of you who don't know, the first edition was 320,000 words. Yeah. Which is – and to give you a sense of scale, Harry Potter number four, The Goblet of Fire, the thickest – one of the thickest books in the series was like 300 three, – like 280,000, I think, 290. Yeah. So it was a behemoth. And it was. Yeah. And the, the hardest part I, – I can – it can I can speak to the volumes of effort Max has gone through on this because I read that and I thought it was great 
and we were talking about it, like what carts can be part, like what parts can be cut. And, we're, and I'm like, none. I like, I, it just, I want all of this in the story. I, I don't want to miss out on this now that I know that this is part of the world and it exists. And so it's hard. Um, who knew writing a book was difficult? Like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's really easy. You should definitely do it. Yeah, um, absolutely you should. I like that answer. That's my favorite answer you've given so far. Here to help. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. Um, I think movies next. Ooh. Do you want to switch it up and just go first and I'll go uh, second this time? Uh, I actually need you to go first on this one because I'm still, this is the one I struggle on. Yep. So I'm going to need. I did not want to pick one. I thought about this for a long time. But based upon my readings and based upon my intention for this podcast and this episode, I chose Infinity War. Interesting. Because I did not like Marvel <laughs> prior to Infinity War after what was the where, where did I fall off? I fell off somewhere between Iron Man one and Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Um, I liked a, I watched every single Marvel movie. The moment that I fell off hard was Ca- Captain America Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And everyone says that they love that movie and it's a great movie. And I did not like it at all. Yeah. And nothing made sense to me about the, like, <laughs> the plot line for that movie. And it's still kind of like because it was the first part where, you know, they introduced S.H.I.E.L.D. early on. And then S.H.I.E.L.D.'s this big, gigantic thing in Avengers. Mm-hmm. And then Captain America Winter Soldier comes around and it just just goes away, mm-hmm. kind of. And you're like, Captain America is the only one who they thought was important enough to protect shield. Like maybe we should get some of the other people here. Yeah. Um, at least Iron Man, maybe who has such, you know, like I just kind of felt like the story just didn't hold weight to me. I need to go back and watch it. I like Marvel a lot more now. Infinity war brought me back in though. Winter soldier plays very, very well. The second time you watch it. Okay. Especially if you watch it in, in the order that it belonged. So like if you go back and look at the Marvel universe, Marvel cinematic universe in chronological order and watch Mm -hmm. the movie that is poised before it in the timeline. And then that one, um, winter soldier is really powerful. Um, but it, but compared to the, after this, but in a lot of different ways, it's all about like, um, corruption and politicking and it's all very human. It's, it's a very human story. Right. And so after the scale and scope of Avengers, which is like interplanetary, you know, galactic war, basically, to have it to have the, the, the lens zoom in again so closely and so narrowly on the human experience, I think, was really disorienting for yeah. a lot of people, myself included. Yep. I 100 percent. I'm all with you there. And I was pretty, pretty well um, not not into Marvel after yeah. that for a very long time. Yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy was great. That was the only one in between that period where I was just really excited about it and loved it. Yeah. Everything else pretty pretty much didn't hit me very well. And to the point where I didn't even go see Thor Ragnarok in the um, theaters because oh, me neither. Because I just wasn't into it. And I was like, oh Thor again? Dark World was was not not a fan for yeah. me. Um and I uh, went and saw Infinity War and I was like, oh my gosh. I'm in. 
I'm 100% back into this, and I've rewatched a lot of the Marvel movies I didn't like, and I love them now. Like, it's reinvigorated me into that series and that whole world, and it just, yeah, it, like, it com- like I'm so I'm so part of it now, and look forward to every single movie that comes out. Like I, I'm in the I'm in the I'm in the uh, group. I'm in the system. You guys have <laughs> you guys have another one. You are indoctrinated. Uh, yeah, so that's why I picked that one. It, it, it like it was the, one of the first movies, like not first movies, but it was one of the only movies in that decade that just gave, it, it's so wonderfully epic and magical and powerful and just the question that it brings. You know, with the with Thanos and his goal and the intentions behind what he's doing versus is this actually good that he's doing? Like, does this mm-hmm. solve thing? Like, you know, like you know, Thanos did nothing wrong. Came from that. Right. It's just great. Like, yeah, I I um I love that movie. It, it's so great. That's a good choice. Um, I am going to have to say. Uh, and this is going to sound kind of recent-y, kind of cheesy, um, but I think probably, like, I was going to say I was really torn back before, like, we kicked off. I was going to say I was torn between Inception and, um, oh, what was the other one? I've got it right here. Hold on. Um Oh, um, Midnight in Paris, which was was great. Yeah. Which was an amazing movie. Um, both of them were amazing, but I think the most, for me, the most influential film of the decade is get out. Okay. And I think it's really cool to have new voices in film and have Mm -hmm. new perspectives in film um, and the the fact that it's taken this long is absolutely embarrassing and Hollywood needs to get itself together because this is unacceptable. It's 2019. Um, but it was released in 2017 and it made waves because a lot of people looked at it and were like, oh, good, another movie where white people are the bad guys. And it's like so much more nuanced than that and so oh, much yeah. more yeah. complex. And watching it in theaters was really powerful because there's a scene at the end of the movie after he gets out spoilers um and a cop car rolls up and it was a mixed race audience and in that theater all the black people went oh and all the white people went oh and like that moment of audience dissonance went and we all looked at each other like what you think oh just that mm-hmm. moment of like awareness right. of the different experiences in our shared culture and shared society around a police car pulling up in front of you. Like that was so powerful to me. Yeah. And I haven't experienced a moment in a theater like that since we went to snakes on a plane and the whole audience screamed at the top of their lungs, the famous line from snakes on a plane. Yeah. That Samuel L. Jackson says it's very much rated R. I won't say it here. Um, go look it up. It's worth your time. It is. Um, I have that movie. Uh, it's available on Hulu right now and I have it in my watch mm-hmm. list waiting to, uh, have a fun night. Oh yeah. Um, that's going to be incredible. I didn't know yeah, it was on Hulu. I, I'll watch it. I've too. never seen it before. I'm very excited. You're in for a treat. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm Kenan Thompson to it. kills uh, it. Kenan Thompson's so great. Did you know Kenan Thompson? Um, no, not Kenan. Kel, Kel Mitchell, the other half. Mm-hmm. He is doing a um, documentary style animal show on CBS Saturday mornings. He's hosting it. That sounds incredible. It and is. I am so excited to go watch it. It's like about best friends. So they do like the first episode was this cheetah and the Labradors hanging out together. <laughs> it's just wonderfully beautiful. It's and adorable. Yeah, it's absolutely worth it. And the best part about that is, is my friends and I were talking about Kel Mitchell. I was like, Where did I, what happened to Kel? Because we started talking about Mystery Men. Yeah. And we were talking about Kel Mitchell after that. And then literally three days later, I just decided to pop on CBS Saturday morning. And what happens? There's Kel Mitchell opening episode premiere. I was like, this is great. Yeah. This couldn't have been this couldn't have had more more perfect timing. Yeah. Good for him. Oh, I'm absolutely. Glad. I like Kel a lot. Um he was my favorite part of Keenan and Kel. <laughs> I thought he was fun, um but I I he always stressed me out because he was such a slave to his emotions. Yep. Yeah. And maybe that's why I like him. Um yeah, that was that was great. I loved Get Out. That was really good. Um, yeah, it's just it's relevant. I mean, it's a it's it's the sort of thing that like it's just a movie that matters. And I think for me in that influence, because I think in, in terms of like like global influence, I think Avengers was probably important because it right. popularized the superhero movie and basically was the culmination of like a decade of work at Marvel in their cinematic Mm -hmm. universe to like pull these threads together and and make a superhero team movie and they did it and it was successful and that was so cool because it catapulted superheroes and comic books back into a position where it wasn't creepy or weird or gross to like and it brought it back into the the cultural eye and i think that's important um but i think making sure that black perspectives are seen and heard in our world is a little bit more important. <laughs> Sorry, comic book lovers. You, yeah. It's great. I, I love comic books. I, I just think people's needs are important too. Yep. Yes. Yes, they are. Absolutely. All right. Next one on the list is TV. And um, I went now that I'm looking at my phone background, I, sh- I probably should have chosen something different. Um, I probably should have picked Dragon Ball, but I didn't. And I chose Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Mm, interesting choice. Um, it's the only reason I have HBO. Um, I could probably get away with not watching a lot of those TV series, but I, I just I adore his show so much. And I catch it every single week. It's the only one of the really only TVs that's like TV like series for me. That's appointment television at this point. And um, I understand that there's an agenda there and it swings one way versus another, but it really has impacted me on opening my eyes up to what's really going on and a lot of the systemic issues that happen in the U.S. Yep. Because they, they just do really good – they do really good pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and they break things down really well and in a way that makes it understandable for for – you know, people like me to understand who don't have a whole breadth of knowledge about what's going on and all these different systems and organizations and everything. Mm-hmm. And he just, they just, they do such a great job there. Um, so yeah, I think that's, um, that has changed my life 
for sure. It's absolutely altered and changed my perspective on the world and my my wanting to be involved in things that I in like frustrations and anger towards things that I didn't think I was going to be frustrated and anger towards. Yeah. So cool. And it also has some of the best mid episode fun things that they do. Mm-hmm. Um they did a long-running series throughout a whole season about the uh, adventures of the most patient man in the world. <laughs> and it's this this guy on C-SPAN who is taking calls from anybody who calls in. Oh, my it's goodness. Just like they'll just go off on some rant that's just absolutely not good like yeah. just this is you know this is your worldview needs to change just a little bit and the guy is just like okay and then he just like moves on to the next caller and he just has them it's great it's such mm-hmm. a good little bit <sighs> what about you me is hands down misfits misfits oh, cool. is a british series that elizabeth and i bonded over early in our relationship um and it's just Wicked fun. It's it's a lampoon on the superhero thing. Storm rolls through their city. They these kids, these teenagers who are doing community service get superpowers. And it's all about them trying to come to terms with their place in, in a society that they disappointed when they suddenly have the ability to change that society. And like do do they want to do that do they feel repentant or not is this a way for them to get back at the society that they feel like wronged them to begin with and then punish mm-hmm. them when they were trying to make that wrongness right and so it's it's layered it's fun the acting is ridiculously good um and it's british so there's lots of dry humor lots of silliness um but it's really good and and like their pacing is amazing and their budget for this show is like Silly low, like one of the lowest budget shows I've ever seen. And they do it so well and they do it so artistically um, that it winds up feeling like a much bigger scale than it is. Um, and and so that's what's really fun about it is it's just like a, and none of them are like super affluent teenagers. They're all just like kind of screw ups um, and, and screw ups in the way that like maybe some of them couldn't have been helped Anyway, so it's it's incredible. It's five seasons long. The cast stays the same for the first three, and then the last couple are pretty volatile. Um, but I watched it once five years ago, watched it again last year, and loved it so much again that I wanted, I was ready to turn around and start it over. Like, this That's is so a show great. that I can watch over and over again and never gets right. tired to me. Noted. I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. I've, heard, I've heard really good things from lots it's, of different people. It's so good. It's yeah. so, so good. It's so much. It's fun. And it's fun in a way that most entertainment these days fails to be um, because it's it's not just like a cool story with fun characters, but it's got it's got everything, man. It's got the characters. It's got the music. It's got the situations. It's got the like the heady thematic stuff. And then it's also got just these really visceral, really approachable human problems that people go through. Excellent. Mm. All right. The next one, I am going to uh, cheat because this is my show and I get to do what I want. Um, We're going to talk about like the most impactful decision that you've made in the last 10 years. 
Um, I think this can be wrapped up a lot of times within things we've already talked about, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like day, month, years. I mean, if I yeah. really thought about it, it'd probably be something that has to do with Disney um, or something that has to do with around that. But I think what I honestly kind of learning about myself over the last couple years and especially, I mean, honestly, even just this last week. Um, and the way I want to cheat is I, I want to call out the most influence things have had on me are decisions I, I decided not to make, which is a decision, mm-hmm. not, not acting versus acting. Of course. Um, and I'm just going to call out all of them <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's a problem for me and it's something that I really struggle with. Um, just trying to decide when it's the right thing to talk to somebody about how you feel or discuss something with somebody or do this job versus not doing this job or doing this, you know, it's just one of those. Mm-hmm. I think my life has been more impacted by what I've not done and not acted upon versus what I have acted, acted upon. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would like to take a more active role in that part of my life. Um, and I've learned that over the last several years and I have been just kind of emotionally destroyed a few times because I decided to not say something to somebody for far too long. Yeah. And when it got time that I was kind of forced to say something, I um, did it poorly and not to the, not, it was too late at that point. You know, it, it just wasn't going to happen or just the, so that that's kind of what I want to call out right now is I don't really have anything specific. Um, I could go through all the different things that I didn't do in life that I should have, but, um, I really think not acting when I should have is probably the most, I mean, absolutely the most influential thing that's happened to me in the last 10 years for sure. I hope that's acceptable for you. That is acceptable. That is an excellent answer. Um, my most impactful decision of the last decade was not to move across the country to be with my fiance at the time girlfriend, um, because that was my second most impactful. Um, my most impactful was asking her to marry me Mm. and having her ask me to marry her. And it was really cute. And we had this whole thing and it was adorable and I loved it. And it was so us. And it was the sort of thing that you can't put to words because it was just so right. I mean, it was like, you know, it's like waking up in the morning or, yeah, you know, going to bed at night. It was like the sun and the moon and drinking water when you're thirsty. It's just like so natural and so sensible and so so right can i ask Um, you something yeah go for it um when you first met her earlier on and you were kind of going through your first feelings towards her Mm -hmm. and developing those how did i mean was that did you also feel right and natural during that time not at all absolutely not so this was not this was ne- the, until that day that we mentioned that I mentioned at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. where we were at the farm together. Like it was just we were dating. And yeah. then that day happened and I was like, oh, this could be a lot more than that. Okay. And 
it's continued to grow. And I think that's one of the reasons that this, that this relationship has lasted because before this, we've been together now seven years before her, the longest relationship I had ever had was four months. Mm -hmm. And there was a balance to our relationship and a pacing to our relationship that was a, a, a balance of the two of us. Um, she was, she was much, much more engaged, much more quickly. Um, and I really didn't want to screw it up because I had gone too hard and fast into a relationship Mm -hmm. before. And it, it, you know, you burn too hot and too bright and you fizzle out. And I really didn't want to do that with her because I really enjoyed what we had. And so there were definitely times when I wasn't sure. And one of our fundamental conversations was early on before I moved across the country to try living with her was like you and I sat down over a couple of beers at the boardwalk at Disney and spent the afternoon sharing nachos and talking about Mm. the pros and cons. And if this was something that needed to happen, that was a good Um, day. Yeah, it was a good day. But at the end of the day, it was some, it was what I needed to do and what I wanted to do. And this relationship has been right for me for so long that it, I didn't realize it at first. And I think a lot of that was because so many of the relationships I'd had before um, were colored by media, were colored by the movies, were colored by music. Just, you know, my ideas of what a relationship should be. Um, and and so when a, f- a healthy, fun, dynamic relationship finally came along, I I was so intimidated by it that... I didn't trust it. Yeah, I didn't trust fair. myself. And that has since um, all melted away, obviously. But yeah. it was it was definitely not one of those things where I was like, I, I f- flirted with her on the first day. I was like, she's the one. Love it first okay. sight. We're going to be together yeah. forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That was That's- that was on this decision day that I day two? No, yeah. that I started <laughs> no. this tangent yeah. about where um, we agreed to spend the rest of our lives together. And yeah, man, that's, I couldn't, I just couldn't imagine it any other way. Like it's yeah. just, it's as, it's as healthy and real and necessary for me as breathing. So. Ah, excellent. So, um, it's wonderful, man. That is, I'm happy for you too. <laughs> Thanks. I love you both. <laughs> I am happy for me as well. Good. Um, that's important. You need to be happy for yourself. <laughs> it's very true. No, it's just, trust me. You just, you gotta, you gotta fight through it sometimes and just be happy for yourself. Um, I know you don't want to, but sometimes you guys gotta do it. You just gotta. Um, everybody is invited to send gifts to them for the wedding. <laughs> yeah. We'll open a PO box here in a we're, little while. We're not going to invite you to the wedding, but if you we'll would post like to. pictures online send gifts then absolutely you should we prefer gifts you know um but uh we'll we'll take love too absolutely yeah it's a it's a close second i think yeah very close um i'm very excited for this next one um i'm actually i have a surprise category at the very end so we have we have essentially three more categories and we'll, we'll 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 move through some of these um piece of advice is our next one and I, I want to know what your most, what's the best piece of advice you got? You know, like something that just kind of really stuck with you 
through the whole decade. Mine happened really early on. Um, it was when I was to take, I was in my master's program and one of our professors who was teaching us, it was, I think, believe it was a transformational leadership class. Mm-hmm. Is that what we were taking? And he told us to have purpose and whether you're talking with somebody or buying laundry, just have purpose. Um, in things that you're doing. And that really kind of stuck with me, you know, not just to aimlessly go around and because this is the right decision or, you know, really let's, let's like, you know, it added to my ability to critical, critically think. And if nothing else came out of my masters, then my like being taught how to critically think about things and having purpose in, in, in everything that you're doing, I just think is so it just has really altered the way I, I try to live going forward. That's it. Not a whole lot of things other than that. Um, but that's mine. Nice. Nice. I like it. My piece of advice, and this is probably the hardest topic for me. Oh, because yeah. Because there I've I've heard so many and I've I've been shaped in so many different and impactful ways over the last decade. Um, and I still am not sure I have an answer. That's I okay. think I can, I can try to sum it up in um, what I guess is the most, to- no, I, there, there is a quote and I need to find it. It's okay. It's from well, this movie. Um, that I love and it's, you, I need to, th- yeah, give me go two find seconds. it and I will, um, I will talk about my second piece of advice that I received. Um, you just get so many pieces of advice. Yeah, gosh, you don't even know. You need them. Um, have an opinion is <laughs> honestly, see, like really just, it's so simple. But it really did touch me in in a way that allowed me to kind of develop and progress to the person that I I wanted to become. One of my favorite things, because I mean, growing up, I I was I I transitioned in and out of being a yes man. I was super agreeable to everybody. I didn't want to hurt their feelings just by disagreeing with them. And I I don't I think I mean, just it really was a point in time where somebody just told me, have an opinion. Yeah. And. I don't care what it is, just have one and go forth. And I did. And now I may be too opinionated, but uh, they're there and they're vocal. And it, it's really um, it's made me a, a better person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it. Life is too short not to have opinions. And I think I think a lot of people do have opinions. And I think a lot of It's so fascinating to me how so many people with bad opinions are really happy to share them. And the people with good opinions are just like quiet. (laughs) That's a whole nother take. Good and bad opinions. If we want to get into that. (laughs) Is there such a thing as a bad opinion? Yes, there is. If you think Transformers is a good movie, you're wrong. (laughs) I love it. It's one of my favorites, but it's bad. Okay. There is such a thing as an objectively bad opinion. 
Oh, I don't know about that, but I, we don't have time today to do this. Um, <laughs> we okay. don't because okay, because okay, that okay. is a conversation that I I stay tuned. This is gonna this is gonna come in the next few few months probably. Um, I want I want to talk about this again. Okay, uh, did you find your quote? I did, and it's from a movie that it was kind of another sleeper movie. That's one of my dear dear favorites. It's called Mister Megorium's Wonder Emporium. <sighs> Yeah, it's got I love Natalie that movie. Portman and Dustin Hoffman and Jason Bateman, and it's so fun and it's yeah. so incredibly sweet and so incredibly sad. And there's a line at the end of the movie where he says, "Your life is an occasion. Rise to it." And that is just every time I am struggling, every time I feel really down, every time I think about how. I want to remember any decision I'm making tomorrow. Like I just think about like, have I risen to this occasion? Is this something that, that I will have that I Mm -hmm. can look back on with pride once I make this decision? Nice. That is a good piece of advice. Mm -hmm. I love that movie. I adore that movie. That movie is probably in my top, top 15. It was like one of only like three DVDs that you owned at the college program mm-hmm. and, and brought. It's a good I remember. One. I was just like, oh, there's that one. And Shakespeare in Love. And Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> yeah, Kung Fu Hustle so good. It is incredible. Oh, man. I almost put that on tonight. I was looking at it. I was like, Kung Fu Hustle? I ended up switching from um, off of uh, off of uh, Ralph and I went to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which That's is they, always a good one. They're currently walking through the snake infested mm. uh, pit with the Ark. Mm, that's so wonderful. special warm fuzzies um, so this we're gonna dive into something that's a little fun um we've gone through a lot of our serious ones i want to do um definitely album if you can quickly kind of throw that one up um mine is currents by tam and paula it's uh, um yeah good yeah, it, it that intro it didn't really introduce me to the um, psychedelic rock genre, but it progressed my love of it to the level of that's being like my favorite style of music now. Because mm-hmm. um, I was listening to some unknown mortal orchestra before that, but it really wasn't until Currents. And I'm sitting down and I just remember I'm doing online chat. And so I was listening to my headphones, talking to Walt Disney World guests or per- prospective guests online. Um, three people at a time, by the way. Um, so be nice. If somebody doesn't respond to you right away when you are chatting with them online through a web service, it's probably because they're talking to two or three other people and they don't have a choice. <laughs> they have to. And every single answer you're getting, yes, is probably can't. I can type in WDW and it'll say, welcome to Walt Disney World's website. Blah blah blah. I can. I have. You have all these different tiny shortcuts that you get to do, mm-hmm. that are all built out for you, and um, you have to have them. So if you feel like you're getting canned responses, it's because you probably are, but it's not the person on the other line's fault. Okay, I'm not done with that. I was sitting there doing chats and working through them and having a good time. Chat day was always the best day at work because you just get to sit next to the people and just talk and chat with everybody else. It was mm-hmm. great. I developed a lot of really, really close friends off of uh, just doing chat. And I put on my headphones because I just one of the days I was doing chat where nobody else was really in there that I was um, like we we're friends and just hanging out. So I just wanted to throw on some music and um, I put on Tame Impala Currents and I, I, I was high, like legitimately felt altered and high because of that sound. And I was like, I can't listen to this right now. <laughs> I have to, to spend some more time with this. 
Um, and then it's just, it is both my most influential and my favorite album of the decade. Nice. By far. Like, it's just, it's, I've listened to that so much. I love them very, very dearly. And um, they are all wrapped up in other parts of music and bands that I like, too. So mm-hmm. that's mine. Did you uh, have one? I do. I do. Let me pull it up. I need to make sure I get the the date right because I don't want to be out of um, out of the circle. Um, okay, so the most influential one for me of the decade probably was um, an album by Coheed and Cambria called. Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, Volume 2, No World for Tomorrow. And it was actually released in 2007, so I'm a little outside the decade. Um, But I listened to that religiously in the first half of the 10s and still go back to it. And it's one of the things I love about Coheed and Cambria is they're still they're, they're one of the few bands who actually make albums. You know what I mean? They don't just make a list of songs and put it on a tape. They make albums. So the songs are intended to flow. They create a pacing of highs and lows that helps you experience each one as it's intended to be experienced. Um, That album just is incredibly awesome and I love it. And it's one of my go-tos all the time. Like even when you and I were up in the Northwest last fall, we were listening to that as we drove home from a night out and it's it's just good music it's really good. yeah it is i love kuhuti and cambria yeah. i do um and I, I i respect your love of them because it's not a style of music that i i find myself deeply diving into and yeah and you're right you you and you have you have right opinions about things being albums and not being albums and it's really frustrating because spotify is built now for singles yep you can't just go to your artists and look up their like like before I could go to my phone click on artists and they would just list my artists and I can click on them and it would be all their albums or I could mm-hmm. click on albums and it'd be all their albums now it just shows me who I'm following and if I don't follow them they're not in the same list so I can't just download music yeah. <clears throat> it's just so dumb uh, uh, I'm sure I'm probably not working it the way I should I'm just getting angry at technology but <laughs> um, no I think it's valid I think I think the buying singles like ever since people started buying a single song on youtube on itunes for a dollar like the music industry has shifted kind of and you have to be able to survive in that kind of environment and so it makes sense that more people are creating music that's designed to be experienced that way in that culture Um, you're right it does does propagate it more because of the way Spotify and iTunes and everything else is is set up, mm-hmm. which is really frustrating because I don't listen to single songs. I will not download somebody's single unless it's one of my favorite bands until their full album comes out, mm-hmm. and I just listen to the full album. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I, it's just, that's the way I like to do it. I just like to listen. To, and if you ask me what a great song is on one of the new albums, I'm like, yeah, I really like that song. I don't know what's called because <laughs> I just put the album on and run through it, but I do like that song a lot. Um, so. I have two more things for you. The last topic topic that we have on our list is favorites, meme, or internet buzz. Yeah. Um, I had a really good friend, and I love him so dearly. He wanted me to do a whole podcast on the best memes of the decade. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not doing that. 
I, I don't want to do that. But I do want to pay tribute to his good idea because it is a good idea. It's just not something that I'm able to speak on. Um, so I wouldn't be good at that. Um, but but I do want to tell you. I do want to tell you a story, um, if possible. And I'd like to ask you a question, Max. I'm ready. Um, just. Just, did you ever hear of the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Because, <laughs> you know, it, it's not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith it legend. Not. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and wise that he could use the Force <laughs> to influence the midichlorians to create life. He had such a knowledge of the dark side that he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some considered to be unnatural. He became so powerful, the only thing he was, able, he was afraid of was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew, and then his <laughs> apprentice killed him in his sleep. Ironic. He could have saved others from death, but not himself. Beautifully and done. It gets me. Me every, gets me every single time. It gets just, it, you know, and I just kind of want to leave it at that and move forward. Good. I love it. Um, I have a couple. I need to make sure on the time roll that the timing is correct. Yeah, I don't know if that one actually came out in the tw- the tens because um, it was a mo- from a movie in two thousand five, which I actually just watched today. Weirdly enough, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, <laughs> forgot it was in there, and then I was listening to the Pablo team. I was like, wait, hold on a second, I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I have what I'm going to talk about tonight. Yes, perfect. Um, but it's my favorite thing of the twenty of the tens for yeah. me. Like I didn't get on Reddit until then, and so yeah, it's wonderful. I I have so many memes are so fun to me and so <laughs> powerful and so lasting. Like I will just I will sit there and meme about memes that existed like over a decade ago. I'm an old man when it comes to internet memes. Um but I think my favorite of all time is probably the gif about it, so it centers around uh, the Council of Elrond during the live-action Lord of the Rings movies. And it's oh, the one yeah. where Boromir says, <laughs> yes. what about a catapult? And they're all looking at him like, what? What do you mean a catapult? And he says, no, no, bear with me. What about a catapult? We could. Lo-. They're like, that's a stupid idea. No, absolutely not. We're not doing that. And then it cuts to the battle of Pelennor Fields in front of Minas Tirith. And they're like, all right, let's try it. <laughs> We're desperate. That's great. And and so it, it breaks down at the end and they launch the ring and it misses. So Boromir has to go get the ring. And that's like when he's walking up the mountain to claim it, you know, from Frodo or whatever. Oh, awesome. And then he wants, he brings it back down and he says, no, we're going to try again. This will work. <laughs> and he, he launches it through the eye of Sauron, collapses the tower into the volcano and everything collapses, and then it cuts to him standing in Osgiliath during that earlier battle <laughs> yeah. on top of the parapet, waving a flag and saying, you said I was stupid. You said this idea wouldn't work. Now who's the winner? Now who saved the world of men? And it's just one of the most ridiculous, nonsensical, beautiful pieces of art I have ever seen. Wonderful. And I laugh out loud every time I oh, watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I have a few of comic strips that are like that. I have a little tiny one that's about a dog, and it it's real simple. And it just it has a dog sitting down with a frisbee in his mouth. And it's like you know, and that's the first picture. The second picture is 
No, no take, only throw. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great. Speaking on on your meme and favorite gif um, is the uh, I, I like the Fozzie Bear version of walking to Mordor <laughs> when it just has Fozzie Bear walking up the mountain and it says you can't just walk a walk into Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> so great this gets me every time i love that one so much um i, I just love the muppets they're they're mm-hmm. great um so that's kind of the end of our list um that was fun kind of a nice look back at the decade before we leave you and go other places i i want to i want to ask you what's your um what do you want to take into the next decade like it can be advice, it can be a way of thinking, it can be something you want to accomplish, just kind of what's that one thing that's kind of on your mind as we progress to another 10 years and then um, have the realization that both you and I have lived inside of four different decades and we're only uh, in our early 30s. Mm, that's a really lovely thing to think about. <laughs> um, um, and two millennia, but you know, we'll... We'll discuss that later. But yeah, what, what what's that for you? I, I know what mine is. So if you need some time to take and think about it, because I kind of have mine. No, this is actually something that I've been thinking about a lot over the last couple of days, independent of this conversation. And for me, it's belief in myself. I think that doing a lot of work and, and reflection and growth around issues of social justice and equity um, and, and realizing how important it is to to be a megaphone for other voices instead of uh, a voice for myself has, has done a number on my self-esteem as far as my own self-worth goes and the value of my voice. And I have really over the last few days been feeling empowered and feeling validated and feeling like I want to do more than I'm doing. And I, I am capable of doing more than I'm doing and that that's okay. And that that's, that I can, that I can do what I need to do and give, mm-hmm. basically giving myself permission, um, to, to live up to my potential, which I think is, is not always something that's easy. It's definitely, you know, it comes and goes, it's a feeling that comes and goes, but, um, it's, it's been around more and more over the last couple of years, like even since I stepped away from Biltmore, uh, and it's just been growing and I, I really hope to cultivate that and grow that so that I can, I can be making more lasting, impactful, um, changes, positive changes mm-hmm. on the world around me. Good. That's a good answer. I don't need to go now. All right, guys, that's it. <laughs> um, Faker. I- I think um, reflecting on this today and um, I didn't know I was going to ask this until about halfway through our recording. So, um, but I think kind of reflecting on my life experiences over the last few weeks and and really what I talked about earlier um, about decision-making and, and I know we've discussed this a little bit too, um, but I want to just when I'm getting to the point in my life where I'm getting old enough to where I should probably be thinking a lot about making good moves and, and, and setting myself up, I want to take more chances on things. 
and not shut myself off to a possibility strictly because um, I don't think it's going to work or I don't think it's the right thing. You know, I just I don't want to have some preconception on what something's going to be like and then just decide without actually experiencing that thing that this is how it's going to go and not let myself experience that thing. Absolutely. And I think that kind of calls back to, I've made a lot of decisions because I've thought a person is this way and I didn't allow myself to just ask them and figure out, are you actually this way? I just was like, Oh, this person's not going to work for me because they're this way. And that's just what I'm going to tell myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm tired of it, man. I'm so sick and tired of just not telling people things and not, really taking the chance to be vulnerable and putting yourself in those positions to be uncomfortable. And so that's my goal over the next decade and specifically over the next year, you know, trying just to take as many calculated chances as I can get. Um, because I think it's important. You can't just willy nilly go in everything, you know, you got to think about it too, but like, just don't, don't give up on things until you, you, you try that thing. Um, because you just don't know. And, 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 I'm, and I don't want to, I don't want to live with not having those chances anymore. Good for you. So, so that's it. So hopefully you, you know, you guys can think about, um, it, it's always interesting with decade marks because there's just this arbitrary set of 10 years that we've decided to assign value to. Um, but if it causes you to come back and think on your past and reflect and try to progress and improve and grow, um, I think we should fully embrace the arbitrary 10 years and, and get into it. I think it's really fun to define things that way. And I think it's really fun to, to kind of have built in cultural things of like, let's just take a look back about what we did and see where we went wrong and move forward. You know? And I think that's something that I want to, try to keep on doing. So that's my edict for everybody listening out there is let's just, uh, let's reflect and go. Any excuse to grow is a good excuse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been taking HGH pills for so long now and it's just been the most (laughs) wonderful thing. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's it. That is our look back infinite pulps look back final decisions defining moments of the decade stamp it approvaled and you don't uh, get to have a choice this is the answers for everybody nobody mm-hmm. else gets to have different opinions so that's right and don't you yeah. dare talk about it amongst yourselves absolutely when we're not, not when we're not there to participate because yeah. you might get it wrong yes that's true don't don't do that um my name's aaron i can be found at lots of different places um the best way to find me on pretty much everything, every social media aspect you can probably think of is if you just typed in Damped Mango, D-A-M-P, 3D, M-A-N-G-O, you will find me. That's me. I don't think anybody else likes to have 3D mangoes, and certainly they don't like them damp, So, um, but it's a, it's a love of mine. That's a whole nother and- conversation. Oh, I inputted that into a random password generator and got like four different answers and just combined a couple of them together. And then that's how I came up with Damped Mango. And then the 3D part was because Xbox Live wouldn't let me sign up with my own credit card under Damped Mango because I signed up for my mom's credit card. I didn't remember what all those passwords and everything else was. So I just created a new account and put a three where the E used to be. Perfect. 
Yeah, it's very simple. There is no like purpose behind that at all. And I've just been accepting it. I'm like, you know what? I can accept the name uh, Mango. If people wanted to nickname me Mango, I'd be very happy with that. <laughs> um, so uh, go give us a like and a follow if you want to. We don't have anything to do with social media with the podcast yet, but uh, um, emails and websites are hopefully going to come up soon so we can have some place to put you know our feeds and also some place for you to um, you know see pictures about what we're talking about and um, kind of interact and connect with everybody. So that was my thing. You should do your thing, and then we'll sign off and go uh, go to bed. I am late, Max, tired. and I have to not go to bed. I have to go do dishes. Um, Ooh, but too, I, I can be found at Gmail at maxbaronreed.gmail.com. dot com. I can be found on the internet at whitemanwaking.com and I've got a YouTube channel which changes a lot and is currently let me pull it up um, max underscore baron like uh, the the landed gentry in England baron that's that's the thing so um, yeah I'm really proud to have been here for this decade I'm really looking forward to another one yeah me too it's going to be a good one. I have a feeling the 20s are going to be great. You know? So here's the controversy. The roaring 20s. What do we call these 20s? And are people going to get confused talking about them? <laughs> this audience question of the day. So we are Infinite Pulp. You guys have a great rest of your day. And we look forward to uh, seeing you again. We we'll miss you already. All right. Bye. Have a good night. And and scene stop.